unraveling the EU political Gordian knot. I refer, of course, to the famous knot that was too difficult to untie and had to be cut through in a simple manner. Well, in much the same way, we can look at the EU political scene. It is a year that seems to be awash with local elections, EU elections, with Brexit, with changes at the very top of some of the EU institutions, with fragmentation of political parties, with global geopolitical debate that is taking the EU out of its comfort zone and forcing it to make choices and to position itself as a global player. So we arrive at the fatidical date of the 23rd of May through to the 26th of May, which is the period set down for elections throughout the different EU member states. The EU member states have very different ways of voting. They have different ways of appointing candidates. There is a different minimum age. There is legal obligations in five member states to vote, including for those EU residents that are living in that country. There are um, new groupings and political parties coming up every single day. And one of these is the French President Macron's initiative called EU Renaissance, which is a group of political players from different EU countries, which are showing their ambition to work together, crossing over political lines, crossing over borderlines, and creating ambitions our Europe not about a single market, not about trade, but to have a vision, something that the press and people throughout Europe have frequently reproached national politicians and EU politicians for. No vision, no ambition, bland statements. And this is President Macron taking up the glove and saying, we want to create a vision. We are restating the original mission of the EU, which was that politics trumps the economy. The EU is a political project. It has been from the beginning. It was to bring back to Europe a Europe of consensus after two very traumatizing global world wars. The British never understood this. And perhaps this is why Brexit has happened. Brexit was a step that lay in the making for many, many years. Those, uh, those of us who have moved in the corridors of European policy have seen this coming. Increasingly, the UK isolated. Increasingly, people in the UK not understanding what was happening at the EU level. But this has also been the case for people in the other member states. And it is a sign that national rulers, national prime ministers, presidents have come out in recent months with letters to the press explaining the EU mechanism, explaining the good that the EU is doing, but also writing letters as did the Dutch prime minister to the press, speaking about Brexit and how complicated it is to unravel rules that have taken 40 years in the making, that have been a consensus between 28 plus member states. The EU is about consensus. And that is what we will see in this year of change. We will indeed see fragmentation. We will see new people coming to the fore in the policy process. We have seen already dynamics 
at the member state level. We have a Visegrad alliance between uh, some Central Eastern European states, namely Slovakia, Hungary, Czech Republic and Poland. We have the Franco-German edge at the very being the core of the European project and beside it the Benelux with the Netherlands, Luxembourg and Belgium. We have a new Hanseatic League and in the name is, of course, the old Hanseatic League from the post-Middle Ages, which was about trading and creating trust between northern European city-states. In that, you have member states like Ireland, Finland, the Netherlands, Denmark, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia and Sweden. They produce letters to the press where they state their desire for reform of the Eurozone. We have also a southern alliance with member states like Spain, Italy, Cyprus, Greece, Portugal. Clearly, there is a different dynamic. Clearly, Brexit has been a game changer. Clearly, the geopolitical scene at large with the US in a different mode of no longer the friendly friend, but perhaps more in a competitive mood, more challenging to the EU project, forcing the EU to rethink its own being and its own dynamism. We have seen the news, and by the time I speak, probably something else will have happened. But as it stands at the moment, clearly um, we, we are avoiding a no-deal Brexit. But again, that might change very much. So this is, this is time sensitive, of course. To my mind, there will be an agreement because there is too much at stake for both sides not to have an agreement. In any case, in financial services, there is pragmatism. There has been a contingency plan by the European Commission, which was agreed in December 2018, where they recommended private firms to be prepared for a no-deal scenario and to be responsible for their own plans and inform their clients about the steps they have taken. But behind the scenes, ESMA, um, has assured there will be continuity. It has recognized the three UK CCPs, even in the case of a no-deal Brexit, that they will continue to provide their services in the EU. There will be flexibility over derivatives contracted and traded and delivered in the UK, and they will be considered as OTC for, for the moment. So there is a pragmatism to let financial services move on. But in these elections, we are starting to see not only the effect of Brexit, but also the effect of a younger generation of politicians coming in. We're seeing the Greens and the Liberal parties having a renewal uh, of energy from being sidelined because of too few members. We are starting to see that they are attracting voters because they are talking about the planet. Uh, they are talking about climate change. They are talking about um, the role of Europe. They're not afraid to look at, at issues that have always been very difficult. And more and more, there is a sense that we need to touch even difficult issues like tax. So be prepared that in the next five-year period, there will be some debate on how to deal with national tax rules if you're trying to build a financial market. Will the dynamics of the European Parliament change? Financial services has benefited these last five years from a coalition, an agreement in the end between the socialist groups and the centre-right democratic parties. So that has stabilised, let's say, decision-making in the Parliament. 
Parliament will have a greater fragmentation, a greater number of political groups, so a consensus is going to be needed. How far that is going to affect the ambitions of the Sustainable Finance Action Plan, where sustainable finance will be at the very heart of all EU financial services legislation, that we need to wait and see. Clearly, the Eurozone will need to be revised. And if we are to believe President Macron, even a treaty change is not unthinkable. If we had said this five years ago, nobody would have believed it. What are the upcoming EU financial services agenda then? Well, at the start, the euro and the EMU. Without a rethink of the Eurozone and EMU, without a rethink of a deposit guarantee scheme in Europe that will work, without a rethink of a safe bond which might stabilize too much dependence on national, we have to look also at trade relations and sanctions that will affect financial markets. The third country doctrine. So if the UK will be a third country or will it be within the European economic area? Or will it have a special status or will it be in the EFTA zone? Digitalization, big data, blockchain technology is going to impact. It will, on the one hand, give supervisors in the EU a greater capacity to analyze systemic risk and issues affecting investors and retail customers. But at the same time, it is a challenge. New entrants into the financial services arena, they're being recognized as coming to the Europe. So we will need to look at that issue. The fight against financial crime. Financial crime has dogged the last months of the current mandate with money laundering schemes coming from Scandinavian banks, from Dutch banks, not the traditional banks where we could have thought it. And this has been quite a shock to the EU population, but also, we would say, to policymakers. And they are determined to bring financial crime and money laundering within the remit of the supervision authorities. Prudential frameworks will need to be reworked. The removal of the European Banking Authority from the UK to Paris. How will the European Banking Authority work with the ECB, central supervising? How will national supervision and EU supervision work for bank supervision, where clearly we haven't still finalised dealing with non with NPLs and with financial crime? Capital markets integration following the exit of the UK, clearly the EU will need to address the, the fragmentation between the Central Eastern European countries to the Scandinavian countries to Northern Europe and Southern Europe with different issues in each market. Competition law is going to rear up its head again. As we see issues such as common ownership coming to DG competition, affecting the way the markets function with the dominance of certain, uh, certain asset managers managing a sector of, of shares, for example. Renumeration. Clearly, the debate on renumeration for the financial services industry hasn't finished. We had the shareholders' rights revision. We had the investment firm review. The debate is coming up. And also, of course, as the industry changes, challenges to contain renumeration will also come back. Shadow banking is clearly an issue on the agenda for the next five years shadow banking or non-bank finance. But clearly this, this is on the, 
on the radar of the European Central Bank. It's on the radar of the Commission. It's been on the radar, of course, with the FSB and the G20. So we will expect a closer look at how non-bank finance and traditional banking finance works together or not. Sustainable finance, it has been the big surprise. It will continue to dominate the next five-year period as it will be pervasive throughout all legislation and investment managers will need to recognize that there will be legislation that will come into their remit and we will need to see how that works for investment management. Taxation, taxation will be discussed, it will be necessary for financial markets and lastly the consumer perspective because investors, especially retail investors, are still very loath to come into financial markets. And so there you have it. These are the challenging issues that are there for the next five years and that I will be looking at in a final podcast. Thank you very much.